Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Happy 420, y'all. It's Raheel. While the use of cannabis byproducts like CBD and Delta 8 are legal in Texas because of a federal bill, it is still illegal to use the most common form known as THC. So I'm sitting down with Emily Jobert from the Cannabis Law Student Association at Thurgood Marshall School of Law and Adenary Haquez from the Urban Flower Company. We'll talk about what the road to legalizing weed in Texas looks like and what challenges businesses may face with the current laws. It's Thursday, April 20th. I'm Raheel Ramsnali, and here's what Houston is talking about today. Adenary, welcome in. Emily, welcome in. I'm so excited to chat with y'all on 420. So, Emily, first of all, I got to ask you, what are you going to do on 420? How are you celebrating? Um, I am actually going to be a vendor um, at an event and at a railway market um, for my organization, which is the Cannabis Law Student Association. Um, I'm going to be celebrating there. And then afterwards, I'll be headed out to D.C. for the National Cannabis Fest. So I am excited about that, of course. See what the scene is like in D.C. Nice. That's going to be a fun 420 for you. How about you, uh, Adenary? How are you celebrating 420? Of course, I'll be representing the company. We're going to uh, be sponsors and vendors at the Smoke and Yoga event at Cottonwood alongside Crystal Yoga. This will be her first uh, year organizing a cannabis cup competition. So this is going to be fun. It's going to bring in uh, businesses from all over town, brick and mortar or otherwise. Nice. That's a fun way to uh, unwind, relax, and get a nice stretch in with some yoga. So I, I appreciate that. Emily, I want to start with you. Tell me a little bit about the Cannabis Law Student Association at the Thurgood Marshall School of Law. My goal for the organization is to basically let law students know that there is this thing called a cannabis lawyer, something that I didn't know about. You have the organization pave a way for um, them to get internship opportunities to help with the expungement clinics and things of that nature, because it's a lot of work that needs to be done um, <clears throat> when it comes in the cannabis community and the criminal justice aspect. Um and to just help forge those opportunities, build those bridges with the community. Uh, also, for the organization, we like to focus primarily on minority-owned businesses, and we acknowledge, you know, the impact of, you know, the war on drugs and how that has impacted Black and Brown communities across the United States, and how imperative and how important it is for there to be uh, a social equity. Uh, within the cannabis industry and how important diversity and inclusion is not just a regular, you know, hot topic in this industry. It's more than that. It's about social justice and civil rights. Adenary, let's talk about the Urban Flower Company. How did y'all get started? I heard you're expanding and what do y'all offer? We are expanding. Everything is about the timing, right? Right after 
the farm bill was passed in 2018, uh, CBD was still a phenomenon because cannabis in every sense of the word was considered marijuana for as long as we can remember. And um, the hemp farm bill opened up the path so that uh, chemists and and botanists and cultivators of the plants got very creative and started, um, you know, offering extracts from the plant that were isolated and could give benefits without getting people high. We're a non-medical dispensary specialized in um, edible smoke, bake, drinks, and uh, an experience, right? We have uh, a very great training program for our bud tenders. Uh, We have a a bar theme that is um, inspired by the prohibition of the 1920s. We've got bottles on shelves that are filled rather than alcohol with a display bud. Nice. <laughs> so it's really fun. And um, it's just to represent the the f- battle that we're still fighting, you know, 100 years later. Emily, let's talk about the current laws right now for marijuana. Like, where do we stand in Texas? It's obviously illegal, but consumers can buy Delta 8 products, CBD. So what what you know, just fill us in, like, what is the current policy? And the current policy is ever-changing, and the public wants this legal so bad. But a lot of the reason why you see a lot of confusion is that there are so many smoke shops, like, just all over Texas, and especially out in Houston. And the thing about those smoke shops is that those certain smoke shops, not nothing like Urban Flower Company, where they're actually, you know, they actually have the flower and vapes and drinks and things of that nature. I'm talking about just your standard smoke shop. They are those are tobacco products that they're selling. So with them having that storefront and the fact that they have Delta 9 and Delta 8, a lot of Delta 9 and Delta 8 products that you would see aren't actually manufactured in Texas because it it's illegal for hemp farmers and growers to actually produce any consumable hemp products in Texas. They can grow hemp. Most of what you would see or you would have to obtain, it's not, it's it's something that is manufactured in a different state. So that's what's happening right now. And they also have the Texas Compassionate Use Program. It's based off of the federal farm bill from 2018. The only amount of THC that you can consume in Texas is it's only 0.3%. And with a compassionate use program, it's qualifying physicians. They can go ahead and prescribe cannabis to patients that have specific neurological disorders like epilepsy, autism, multiple cirrhosis, cancer, post-traumatic stress disorder being a big one, given that a lot of veterans actually prefer cannabis as opposed to opioid um, prescriptions. And we all already know about the opioid and how that's impacting communities all over the U.S., in reference to the uh, hemp farmers and growers um, producing uh, consumable hemp products, there's House Bill 4918. And this actually allows them to produce those hemp products that you can't necessarily do right now in Texas. However, you can get them from different out-of-state suppliers, that's Delta 8 and Delta 9, and be in the clear with that. Um, But 
that bill actually allows hemp farmers to grow the cannabis and actually produce things. And I, when I when I say consumable hemp products, I'm talking about something as little as CBD oil. The fact that we have hemp farmers and growers in Texas and they can't even like make oil from what it is they're growing from their own crops. And, you know, that's something that's a huge, huge disadvantage for for those farmers and growers in the state of Texas. So with, with all of that, and there's so much research out there, and of course, we encourage our listeners to research as well. Emily, what, what is it? Is it one group? Is it a lobby that's preventing this um, process of legalizing marijuana in Texas? I think that because of how early on that false propaganda was spread, you're talking about false propaganda that was spread in the 1930s. It just trickled down from generation to generation all the way to the point where Nixon said that this is illegal to the Just Say No campaign. It's something that we have to unlearn. That's where the stigma and everything started. It started with that with, with Anslinger and his propaganda. When there were reports done, there was a Schaefer Commission report that was done during a Nixon administration where it basically said, we recommend to decriminalize it and to do more research. But instead, Nixon decided to make it illegal. And the ramifications of that is immense because it started with that particular act. And it just, you know, it just became a domino effect of illegality. So are we unlearning some of that because of the legalization in other states and all the research that's coming out and trending towards a more positive response from not only citizens, from lawmakers as well? Are we trending to unlearning that now? I think that we are in a phase of unlearning it. But for the idea that states are doing this and that they're, they've been getting revenue is a huge incentive for those particular states. So between seeing other states do this and knowing that the public wants this so bad, when New Mexico decided to you know, pass adult recreational use, they, had, they saw nothing but Texas license plates in New Mexico. So it's just like, that's how bad the public wants it. But, but the thing about it is, is that even though it's still illegal in Texas, it's, it's an opportunity for Texas to get things right for Texans and to learn from other states where even though it's legal, they still have a lot of issues that they have to flesh out. Running a business right now under the current laws where you are dispensing Delta 8, 9, and CBD, are you running into issues with banking, unfair policing, or anything like that? Thankfully, uh, we navigated those challenges uh, in 2018, 2019. And, uh, and so we we were able to participate in beta programs through our POS, which uh, facilitated the sale of um, CBD as long as we could prove that they're actual hemp-derived um, uh, products and containing only the 0.3% or less THC. There's ebb and flow of bills that keep getting written for or against and, um, you know, we're not eligible for the teacup that Emily was talking about, the uh, Texas Consum uh, Compassionate Use Act uh, or program, because uh, we would have to be vertical. And that means uh, everything from growing to the processing to the retailing or dispensing of the product. So uh, we have, you know, resorted and 
it was our initial desire anyhow, to be retailers of um, the phytocannabinoids and all of their uh, byproducts that contain hemp, that are either hemp itself or um, infusions of hemp-derived Delta-9 and Delta-8 that is legal. So some of the verbiage in that Farm Bill of 2018 um, did leave some open, you know, loopholes like uh, we we all have come to understand. And those constantly are being challenged because of the effects that people can experience that are so comparable to actual use of cannabis Delta-9 from marijuana, as people would uh, would understand. Emily, what's next for the legalization of cannabis? What's next for Texas? What needs to happen? Well, for Texas, I mean, honestly, like, just for the farm bill, for them to even have, it's, Texas is considered a low compassionate use state. And it's based off of the federal farm bill of 2018. And the thing about Texas, and that I've noticed about a lot of Southern states is that until it becomes federally legal, usually they get on the bandwagon in terms of making a law or making a change or trying to do some kind of reform. And essentially, that's something that everyone in the cannabis industry strives for is federal legalization. And um, even with, you know, everything that's going on right now, I feel like federal legalization is going to help Texas get there. But in terms of when that's going to happen, like, we still don't know how that's going to happen, how long that's even going to take. For right now, um, looking at Texas as a state, it looks like from this legislative session that they're moving in the right direction. Only time is going to tell. But for the fact that they are actually noticing the needs of Texans, and it gives a sense of hope, honestly, from this legislative session and following it. Um, we just hope that thing that these bills that got approved by the House can make its way and be passed in the Senate. Excellent. All right. Final thing, Adenary, if there's one thing you could tell people in charge, right, lawmakers, policymakers, lobbyists, anybody about why recreational use should be legal, what would you tell them? It would definitely come from the spirit of pushing to educate and inform and remove the stigmas, remove the taboos so that we normalize the use of cannabis, that we encourage the use of it for anyone who who leans into holistic and Ayurvedic care for themselves, we should have this right, just like anyone else um, choosing to use over-the-counter pain relief, um, the use of a plant. And if we legalize it, then, you know, a lot of things will fall into place. Uh, there will there will be so much repair for mankind. I wish I wish I could say, well, well, we don't care either. Texas is going to legalize and we're, we're just doing this. But um, the whole country as a whole should consider legalizing for a multitude of reasons I, I, I can't express enough. Adenary, Emily, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Houston. Happy 420. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you. I hope there's substance for you to take from this. <laughs> That was Emily Jobert from the Cannabis Law Student Association at Thurgood Marshall School of Law and Adenary Haquez from the Urban Flower Company. 
We've included some links in our show notes to learn more about them. Before we go, if you're looking for something fun to do on Sunday, the next generation of UFC fighters will be throwing down at Fury Fighting Championship 78 at the Imagine Venues in North Houston. There's nothing like seeing MMA in person, so you gotta check it out. You can buy tickets at furyfc.tv or watch live on UFC Fight Pass. That will do it for today. I'm Rahil Ramzanali. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Ah, you need an outtake. Well, I don't do outtakes. Well, here's an outtake for you.